Hey, hello, and welcome back to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at Tech Advisor. I am your host, Dom, joined as ever by Lewis, and returning from several weeks of gallivanting around the continent, <laughs> we have Toddy. Toddy, where have you been? I feel like you've ticked off a good chunk of the EU over the past couple of weeks. We're trying to make up for you know the past couple of years being locked in. So we started in Paris, then we took a train down to Nice, then we flew to Luxembourg, took a train from Luxembourg to Bruges in Belgium, and then a train from Bruges to Amsterdam. Wow. Nice. It was good. Mainly fuel fill, uh, food filled. Yeah. That was kind of the whole point of this trip was food and maybe some culture, a bit of culture. Yeah. Really you, culture. you pretty much just like toured the bit of Europe that does French fries and mayonnaise. And <laughs> that was I a lot of fries. More than I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> but I did have the apple pie that you recommended. Oh, I, I meant to ask. Oh, that apple pie. Very good. So good. It was banging. If anyone is in Amsterdam, there's a place called uh, <laughs> Winkle 43. I think it is. Best apple pie in the world. I swear to God. As a claim. Um, phones. Probably talk about phones a bit. <laughs> Probably a good also, idea. phones have been happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is they haven't been happening. Um, well, yeah. After last <laughs> week, when we were like, it's phone season, baby. This week, everyone stopped again. There's just been nothing. Um, and then next week, as we're going to get to in a sec, it's going to be a lot all over again. So we are kind of in the eye of the storm. Last week was hectic. Next week is going to be even worse. This week... Just nothing. So here are the bits we have scrounged together to talk about over the next hour. Uh, we are going to talk first about the Galaxy A53 because I have been reviewing it this week. Um, and I actually wanted to talk about it again because I think I was very, very positive about it when I saw it in preview when we were talking about it in relation to the iPhone SE. And after reviewing it, I like it, but not as much as I thought I would. And so I think it's only fair to, to kind of air that and talk through the ways it has not lived up to the hope for me. Uh, then we're going to turn to next week's biggest event, which is Google I.O. So we've chatted about I.O. a bit before on the show, but I think now with a week to go, we know a lot more about what to expect from it. So we're going to revisit again what we're expecting from, obviously, there's the Android 13 side, which has changed now that we've had the public beta. There's the hardware side. Um, and then from that, we're going to leap into foldables because obviously the Pixel Fold is one of the things we think we might either get a launch or at least get a tease of next week. Um, but that's one of a load of foldables on the way this year. And I think I thought about foldables because in like running through all the news that's come, there's just been a lot of little leaks about various foldable devices this week. Um, and it feels like there's all sorts on the way and a lot of interesting changes with interesting updates to ones we know about and new ones turning up that we maybe weren't expecting um, and shifts in terms of the pricing of the market and things like that. So we're going to chat about the state of foldables for the second half of 2022, basically. All right, before then, let's rattle through a few bits of news that we did get this week, um, most of which are about next week. So uh, first up, I mean, let's recap. Next week, we already know, as mentioned, we're going to have Google I.O. on Wednesday, the 11th. Um, we're also going to have the Sony Xperia launch on Wednesday, the 11th, the same day, earlier in the day. That's presumably the follow-up to the Xperia 1.3, probably the 1.4, but you never know with these things, especially with a 4. Fours <laughs> don't always do what you think they're going to do in the phone world. <laughs> so who, who can say? Um, maybe some other phones, but certainly the flagship Xperia 1 is coming on Wednesday, along with the Google launch. But there are more launches next week. So we now know for sure... ZTE is launching the Axon 40 series on Monday the 9th. So we are expecting the third gen of their under-display camera, which I think is kind of the most exciting thing here. Oh, their yeah. first Probably how gen... fast we've moved through that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it's actually been annual or if they've moved quicker than that. It feels like it's been quicker than annual. It feels quicker, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the first gen was a little ropey, I thought, when I, when I tested that one. Lewis, you were broadly impressed by the second gen when you oh, reviewed yeah. it in one of the Axon 30s last year. Yeah, it was um, so, very hard to see when you're looking it straight on. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think we spoke about it last week in relation to the Nubia, the, the Red Magic 7 Pro, which has that same second gen version. Um, so yeah, third gen coming next week. It's actually going to be three phones this time, apparently. The Axon 40, Axon 40 Pro, and Axon 40 Ultra. And just like last year's confusing Axon 30 range, not all of them are going to get the under-display camera. Though the latest oh. room I saw is that the 40 and the 40 Ultra will, but the Pro won't. Even though 
presumably the pro is the one in the middle of the lineup and it's very odd that the cheapest and the most expensive are getting it but the middle one isn't but it who did knows last year as well though. it was a standard yeah. 30 yeah. that had the under display camera last year and the 30 pro or the ultra whatever it was didn't have it, it. was the and ultra was, but that, yeah. at least there was just two and they were clearly like well yeah. we're putting it on the on the regular one on the ultra it's not quite good enough but it's kind of odd that it's now seemingly i mean maybe this is all wrong but seemingly the cheap one has it the really expensive one has it and the one in the middle they're like well no it's just an odd way (laughs) but we'll find out next week on monday when we get that um then we get that wednesday with google and sony but then thursday there's more to come um mostly exciting for europeans and for everyone else these are all phones we know about but realme has now confirmed that the realme 9 and the realme 9 5g and the Realme Pad Mini are all launching in Europe on the 12th of May. That's next Thursday. So those have all launched in, in India and in uh, a few other markets, I think. But they're getting a European launch. We'll find more pricing about them. Interestingly, there is no sign of the Realme 9 5G Speed Edition, what? which I'm gutted the has not made the leap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the most exciting because it's literally called the Speed Edition, and I love it. Uh, yeah, that one is uh, of the six phone deep Realme 9 series. That is the only one not making it to Europe now, as far as we can tell. It is a weird brand tie in for a movie that's about 20 something years old at this point. It's an odd move <laughs> on their, their part to talk to Sandra Bullock and, and <laughs> but, I mean, we all want that, that version of the phone with just Keanu's face on the back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, what else is coming? Same day, Honor. Honor is launching the Magic 4 series globally on the Thursday. So that had a that had a funny journey because it did sort of have a global launch at MWC, but equally it didn't really go on sale anywhere. So now it's getting the, we're actually going to sell these launch. Uh, <laughs> launching in London for the UK market on 12th May, but they're talking about this as kind of the start of the global rollout. So this is a sign that it's going to appear elsewhere. Um, interesting, what they've confirmed is it's the Magic 4 Pro and the Magic 4 Lite, but the regular Magic 4 doesn't seem to actually be getting the global launch, even though it was at MWC. And the Magic 4 Ultra that launched in China is unsurprisingly also not getting any further. At least it's more on sale than the Magic 3 series was on the global. I know, the Magic 3 was always the one, it was, <laughs> that was the biggest sign we've had of Honor still figuring itself out, and I can't blame them, but they promised a global launch for the Magic 3 and have just quietly not done that. And yeah. I can see why, but yeah, that was that was a shame. This this is actually going on sale this time because I've been, no matter how many times they've told me they were going to sell these in Europe, I was really waiting to actually be able to buy a phone before I, you know, took them at their word. Yeah. Was it on a, did you talk about this news last week or was it what I was away on a Ranking in China, they're like now like number two or something? We didn't yet. I think actually for Q1 this year, they were number one. They had right. the highest market share in China for Q1 is what I saw the other day. Crazy. Um, which represented a 200% year-on-year growth or something like that. Um, so t- I think it was 19, 20% of the Chinese market for Q1 was on a... Um, mm. their, their growth since going independent has been phenomenal in China from the figures I've seen. Um just still waits to be seen if they can replicate that anywhere else. For sure. I assume in a funny way, they're probably benefiting from being seen as Huawei 2.0 in yeah. China. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, so. I, I wouldn't want to speak for the Chinese market. Um, okay, so that's next week sorted. So by my count, that's at least five phone launches. And that's just phone series, not specific devices. Um, assuming the Pixel 6a does turn up, and we'll get to that. Uh, but there is more on the horizon. We've got two bits of BBK silliness, because what would an episode of Fast Charge be if we weren't going to make <laughs> fun of A, BBK, and B, phone names? Um, so first up, OnePlus have yet another device on the way. It's kind of what we've spoken about, but the Nord 3, we finally have sort of a sign that it's actually coming. Um, Mukul Sharma spotted the name on the OnePlus website. So... Literally just the name, nothing else. Some bit of text field he found with the, with the Nord 3. Um, but it does look like that. It's actually coming. They are making it. It's on the way sometime soon. Stranger is the Reno 8 Lite. Uh, Win Future reported this week that the Oppo Reno 8 Lite is coming soon. Presumably alongside the regular Reno 8. Um, 
We've already seen the Reno 8 Lite before, though, because the Reno 8 Lite is the oh. same phone as the <laughs> Reno yeah. 7 Lite. The problem with that is the Reno 7 Lite is the same phone as the Reno 7 Z 5G. <laughs> so this is now on its third iteration, not within multiple BBK brands, but just within Oppo, and not even just within Oppo, just within the Oppo Reno subseries. They are looking to release the same phone three times with three different names. Is it instead of updating the software, they'd rather just push out a new phone with the same... <laughs> We, yeah, because they're not even updating software. One of the like, you know, things that's oh, been no. picked out is it's apparently going to ship with Android 11, same as it did what before. It's not going to be an Android that's 12 terrible. phone. Out of the box. They're just not selling enough of them. That's the problem. They just need to shift the stock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, you have to think this is presumably because the hardware won't say Reno 7 on it, so it presumably is literally the same stock. And what they're doing is replacing all the boxes. Wow. I can only guess. Um, yeah. This is all based on one report from WinFuture, not confirmed. So we'll, we'll find out. But yes, it, it looks like this is happening. In terms of where to expect that, I think you can probably take any country where the 7 Lite is on sale and say the 8 Lite probably won't launch there. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they'll at least go for different markets this time, but we'll, we'll see. Okay, let's turn to the Samsung Galaxy A53, which I have been using for the last week or so. Um, I don't love it. And that has surprised <laughs> me a bit because I did think I would. Uh, when I went to Samsung's preview event in London, I was really impressed. I think the specs for the price really worked for me. And I think, especially because it was getting announced around the same time as the iPhone SE, it felt like a very favorable comparison, a comparison I made extensively at the time. It kind of matched the iPhone on, it's got the IP67 waterproofing, it's got the extensive software update promise, which is really good. It obviously beats the iPhone on things like being full screen, having a 120 hertz AMOLED display, having more than one camera lens, and actually having a night mode. Um, all that kind of stuff that I really like the look of and like the sound of. And all of that is there, and all of that is good. Problem is, the chipset is shite. <laughs> it is terrible. That's disappointing. Isn't this exactly what happened last year? Because didn't they have to do the A52 and then the A52S, and the only difference was the chipset change? Yes, but that is but. that is part of the interesting thing. So the A52 was a year ago. That also was a bit underpowered, right? That yeah. was with a Snapdragon. That was a Snapdragon 7 series. I can't remember off the top of my head which one. I think maybe a 732, but I'm not sure. It was a Snapdragon 7 series. Six months later, they did the A52S. That was, I think, the 778. So still Snapdragon, still 7 Series, but a better, more recent Snapdragon 7 Series. And benchmarked a lot better. Um, much improved performance over the A52. For the A53, it's all Exynos. It's the 5 nanometer Exynos 1280, which made its debut with the A53 and the A33. And it gets identical benchmark results to the A52 from a year ago. Not the S. And substantially the worse results Ooh. than the A52S. Huh. And part of the problem here is a lot of what's good in the A53 is there in the A52S. The design is very similar. The IP67 rating is there. The OIS on the camera. I mean, the whole rear camera is identical. The display is the same. The build is very, very similar. Um, the A53 has a slightly bigger battery. And it has a longer longer term software support and ships with Android 12 rather than 11. But otherwise, they're basically the same phone. And the A52S performs much better. Um, so, and the problem here, I just want to say, is, is it's not... I know I've referenced benchmarks. And benchmarks are helpful. They're a guide to this stuff. They're the way I can look. I didn't review the A52S. It's the benchmark results we have that let me look and say, okay, this is slower than that one was, I guess. Um, but real-time use is obviously always a big factor. The problem I have with this phone is that its benchmarks results are disappointing but acceptable. Its actual usage is not acceptable. It's been Ooh. slower than those benchmarks suggest to me, which I think is basically because One UI, while it runs very slickly on flagships, I think is a bit heavy, and so slower chips find it a bit difficult to deal with. So this phone is 
much more sluggish than I would expect given where it's benchmarking. Say compared to other phones, it's getting similar benchmark results to the OnePlus Nord CE2, which is not a phone I remember ever thinking was sluggish or slow. And A, let's note, that's a phone that's £100 cheaper than this one. You know, it's it's benchmarking a lot worse yeah. than the Nord 2, which is the rival. Um, but even if you compare it to the CE2, where it's got the same benchmark results, I never felt the CE2 was slow to use. You know, it felt fine. Uh, it's also the same as the Poco you reviewed recently, Lewis. It gets very similar results to that one. And again, you didn't really complain that that phone was really slow and no. stuttery. Whereas this is. This is... You try to swipe up for the multitasking, you know, app switching view, and the phone takes two or three seconds to pull it up. Uh, okay. There's a second or two delay every time you try and open an app. Um, it freezes every now and then. Chrome totally freezes. Uh, it stutters. There's input lag. It sounds no like you're experience. describing an and a budget Android phone from about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. I, it, it's not always awful, but it does feel like using a 150 pound, 200 pound phone. You know, it's that I... kind of everything works. There's just a little bit of lag. It's a little bit stuttery. It's a little bit awkward at times. You shouldn't get that on a 400 pound, 400 dollar device though. Yeah, most most other brands are probably write it off, and that's how the experience could be forever. Because it's Samsung specifically, <laughs> it's really bad that it launched with this level of software mm. experience if we know that the hardware can carry. But I would also imagine that they would be maybe better poised than any other company to fix that Yes, after release. And that's why I'm kind of optimistic, and because they've promised all that software yeah. support. And also like because just... <laughs> on paper, I know that we haven't seen the Exynos 1218 enough other devices to figure out what's the chip and what's the software, especially because we're only going to see that chip on Samsung devices most likely, so it's hard to compare. But on paper, in terms of the specs of that chip, it should be faster than this. It should be better than this. Yeah. So I do think the software element is a real part of what's going wrong here, and that means it's fixable to some extent. I don't think this is ever going to be a powerhouse of a phone, but I think they can make it better than it is right now if they put the effort in. But obviously, that's always a gamble for a buyer, right? Yeah. And part and parcel of the fact that Samsung's, even the mid-ranges, cost more than equally matched rivals hardware-wise is usually because of the software, not explicitly necessarily yeah. the user experience, although One UI is pretty good, I think, for most people. They can get on with it without too much yeah. trouble. It's that, you know, the long, the now kind of established update support. Even these A-series phones are getting really good update support that you just won't get from a Xiaomi phone. Yeah, I mean, this is the same sort of level. four years of Android versions. This is going to get Insane. through to Android 16 on this on this budget device and another year of security patches beyond that. And it's still the case. Yeah. There is no other Android phone at this price that will last you as long as this one in terms of the years of support it's going to get. Uh, the battery life is excellent. They made the cell a bit bigger. It's a 5,000 milliamp hour cell. It is... Easily a day, it will stretch to two. I'm normally going to bed with 50 to 60% of battery left. So it's definitely a two-day battery for, for a relatively light user. Even for a heavy user, this is a day. So that means in terms of if you're thinking holding onto it for four years, I would have some confidence the battery will last for those four years and you'll still be getting longevity. Um, the camera is solid, you know, the, the, the 64 megapixel main lens, it takes really nice shots, decent night mode, not exceptional, but decent, and an alright ultra wide, and then just, you know, depth sensor and macro kind of rubbish. Uh, excellent selfie camera, yeah, they, 32 megapixels. No. There's nothing in those little sensors. Okay. <laughs> I was like a little bit hopeful because they swapped some of the sensors out in terms of like what they were doing from the last phone. I mean, like, well, the depth maybe... sensor is just a depth sensor. So it's driving portrait mode and it sure. does what it does. Uh, the macro, I haven't tried too much. That's the one. That's the last lens I really need to like roll out a bit and try. Um, the ultra wide is better than I would have thought for a 8 meg okay. ultra wide okay. sitting next to the 64 main. Um, and, you know, there's stuff like because the selfie camera is 32 megapixels and, and genuinely is a very good selfie camera, better than some flagship ones I've used. Um, it also means you get 4K video on the selfie camera as well as the main rear oh, camera. Nice. And I don't know how many phones at this price will let you do 4K front camera video. That's no. pretty unusual. The way Samsung pushes the A-series, especially the kind of more the beefier ones, is like it's a social device. Like yes. it's it's kind of purpose-made for... so like they, That's where they've introduced... Rather than on the flagships, they've introduced, I think, like Snapchat shortcut features or yeah, something yeah, yeah. in the past with A-series phones. So it makes sense that it's got a good selfie camera because like that's becoming just more and more yeah. what's expected of these phones. But the problem is you then, 
even with the camera, you get these like chipset performance problems kick in because people often moan about Samsung cameras being a bit slow. Um, you know, shutter speed is a, is a bit behind some of the rivals. It's just part of how they process. And that's a bit annoying sometimes on the flagships. On this, sometimes you take a photo, and I'm not talking about night mode, I'm talking about a regular photo, and it takes two or three seconds to save that shot before you can take another mm. one. Oh, wow. Which just, is... you know, limits the usage. You can't yeah. take a load of snaps really quickly or something. You just have to take the one shot, wait two seconds, take another shot, wait a bit. You know, and it's stuff like that that just feels like this is not a good enough experience. And it's hard because I genuinely like, as I've said, a lot about the phone. Almost everything else is good. The only other thing you could really knock is 25 watt charging is, you know, a little bit slow, but Ugh. that's Samsung. Same with their flagship. Yeah. <laughs> um, so other than that, and the fact that it doesn't have wireless charging, but again, other than the iPhone, nothing at this price has wireless charging. So there's really yeah. few complaints. I have one complaint, but that that's one complaint one. is a big complaint. It's a game breaker. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise. And it just means I find this run really frustrating to use. And, you know, anyone who listens to the show enough will know that that's not what I'm... Although I get to review a lot of flagships and I usually get to spend most of my time using flagships, I don't mind reviewing cheaper phones. And when I've reviewed some of the mid-range OnePluses, I've kept my SIM in them for a month or two because they're really good phones. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't bother me that they're a little bit cheaper, you know. So I'm not... This isn't a snobbishness of, ugh, cheap phones or no. ugh, cheap Samsungs. It's just like... This should be better than it is for that price. Yeah, it's weird because it seems like the, the specs don't really match the performance because like you've got this 120 hertz display, but there is nothing on that phone, on that processor that will be able to run at 120 <laughs> frames to well, make use of it. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, this is again part of why I think the software must be part of the issue, not the hardware, is because a lot of the lag you see is on like UI stutter and as you're moving around the right, interface. Okay. But of course that really hammers home the pointlessness of the display because it doesn't matter that I've More got so, 120 right? hertz like <laughs> animations because yeah. they're stuttering because the processor can't handle them. There's like 26 of them you just have to wait for. <laughs> yeah. Those refreshes will, will catch up in a second. So the refresh rate is rendered, yeah, kind of pointless. And the display otherwise is lovely. It's, it's, a, it's a nice AMOLED panel. Again, this will genuinely be one of the best displays you'll find in a phone this price, but it just almost doesn't matter that it's no, such a yeah. good display. I I think it was A51 was one of the best-selling phones of the year it came mm. out, which would have been, what, 2020? I guess so, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, A52, I think, rode on the wave of success of its predecessor. Maybe they just let, the, like, they're just coasting now. They're like, oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah. And they just didn't pay the same level of attention in building the A53 or something. It's, it's dangerous also because I feel like, especially the upper end of the A-series, they are almost aspirational for Samsung's flagships. Yeah. If you can't afford the flagships, the top end A series try and give you the best, the best like <laughs> yeah. the choice cuts yeah. of the flagship stuff without like going too crazy. Um, but this sounds like it completely kind of undermines that whole promise of you yeah, know, you're still going to get that Espe that taste of premium. Especially if the hope was that you know someone maybe buys an A53 and then two years from now they buy the the S24 or, or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, because they get sold on the Samsung yeah. appeal. Like this won't convince someone, oh, I want to buy an even better Samsung next time. It'll, it'll put them off. And, and it is just, I, I, like I said, either there's a software problem or this chip is just seriously underperforming what its specs offer because it, it does, I went into it knowing it wasn't going to be a powerhouse, right? You know, from what I knew about the 1280, Samsung doesn't tell you much about its chips generally but still Funnily from what enough. i could tell and from knowing the specs they'd put in elsewhere where they'd went big on the camera they put in the ip67 from that you can kind of say well okay the chip's not going to be its strength and that's fine there are other mid-rangers that throw like a snapdragon 8 series in at this price and that's cool that's one thing that's one user base this is different i don't need this to be a super powerful phone that will run genshin impact at 120 hertz <laughs> i just need it to run smoothly day to day that's all I'm asking for. Just want you know, 60 hertz, not... really. Yeah. <laughs> Some hertz. <laughs> not groundbreaking performance, just the kind of thing that doesn't make you go, oh, this bloody phone, when you try and use it and it freezes. Yeah. Just like stuff like waking the phone up from sleep. Is that slow or is it just like interaction stuff? That can be slow. Um, I've had a mixed bag. Certain apps seem to struggle more than others, which again ties me to thinking part of this is a RAM issue. Um, 
Oh, interesting. Because Spotify really struggles and Chrome really struggles. And Chrome certainly is around. Twitter might struggle too. That seems Twitter can be a bit sluggish. Um, I it helped a little, and I have to say this. This is me saying this as a. I'm such a skeptic of those like virtual RAM things. Where, I was going to yeah. ask about this. Where it gives you <laughs> additional RAM by pulling the hard drive. Um, the phone ships with six gig of RAM, and then it has virtual RAM, which by default is another six. But you can also drop it down um, to four or up to eight. And I did after being so frustrated, <laughs> I moved it up to eight to see. And I feel like it did help a little bit. And equally going through and clearing the RAM, uh, clearing the phone's memory suddenly made it move a lot faster again. So, and again, that, that screams software problems, right? Yeah. If it's about memory optimization and how it's holding stuff, th that just screams, this can be fixed. This is just a poorly optimized device and they can make it better. But God, I really want them to make it better. Yeah. That's what the A53 has to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in fairness to me, the other way, I've only just reviewed this, but it's been on sale for several weeks now. It's not like this yes. is a pre release phone where I'd be more forgiving of that kind of, oh, they might fix it. This is, and this didn't come from Samsung. This is a retail one. We bought this phone. Um, I bought it from the Samsung store in the UK several weeks after the phone launched. Like, this is absolutely 100% experience of someone going to buy the phone and so there's no excuse there and they've had enough time to at least get some patches out and you know i really made sure i was on the latest version of the software and everything so I kept being like maybe a patch is going to help us yeah. but uh not yet it did not. and again i feel like we you know samsung has built its brand to the point where you you expect it to just work mm -hmm. out the box now like their quality threshold yep. their their brand recognition it's too strong for them to be making mistakes like this on a popular device like this. If it was like the M01 core or something weird that you'll only get in like two markets. Yes. And, they, and it, it might be terrible, but also people won't be shouting about it. But this is like <laughs> one of the most high profile phones that they do. Well, what's interesting is, I, I, <laughs> That's it's a shame you know, we didn't have him on the show today, but Jim uh, reviewed the Galaxy A13 a few weeks ago. So oh, that's even cheaper. No, no, no. That's below £200 in the UK. Uh, it's not actually out in the US, though there's an A13 5G, which is very different in the US. Um, and he had similar problems with the A13, but even worse, you know. And I was partly thinking, well, I guess it's just the price. That is a really cheap phone. But he reported really, really poor performance on, on the A13. And again, if you go look at its benchmarks, even compared to other stuff at the price, it is low. It is not running where it should be. And I was I, I didn't expect to see the same problem here and to be clear the a53 is a different chip to the a13 and the benchmarks are significantly higher than the a13 so i'm not saying this is as bad as that but they are both seem to be underperforming for the price they're at even once you factor in our oh, samsung's not you know the kind of company to go for the highest fastest processor they'll prioritize camera and software instead and i think that's the right call for them but it, they're underperforming even with that caveat. Yeah. Fascinating. That is, I think generally I'm surprised by that. Like, you know, the specs painted such a rosy picture. Yeah. When we all first heard about this phone, we were hyped for it. I was also really hyped for the A33 and now I'm a bit... Well, yes, I'm worried that the A33 well. is the one I was even more excited about because it's a <laughs> lot of the same specs, but it's an, almost £100 cheaper. It just drops the cameras mm -hmm. down a bit, basically. But it's the same chip as this one. So now I'm like, well... If it's going to be as slow and annoying as this, a <laughs> little bit more forgiving because it's the cheaper one, but yeah, yeah still. Um, but yeah, you're still paying more to Samsung than you would for yeah. the equivalent Xiaomi, aren't you? Exactly. So. so it's a hard one because, like I said, there's an awful lot that I like. And if someone asked me, well, what's the phone at around £400 with best software support? That's the A53. Best camera? Well, this one's in the conversation. Best display? Probably this one. Um, wow. Best design, it's one of my favorite looking phones at it's this nice. price. I think yeah. maybe the OnePlus Nord 2 packs? edges it a bit. It's plastic. Um, I've got the, the blue version. There's I a nice like peach the blue or black and white. Very nice. It um, They shamelessly stole the camera module from Oppo. So it uh, has that thing where it curves up. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Round and the plastic oh, curves that. up and over. Looks really great. It's not a massive design change from last year's 52s, but it's a tweak. That tweak to the camera design really works really sells it um 
you know, so there's a lot here, I would say, this is best in class, or at least among the best in class for that for that mid-range price point. But it just is very slow to use, and mm. that makes it really hard to recommend, because I think it will just be annoying quite a lot of the time. And that's the last thing you want from your phone, is to annoy you like that. And I'd say tech journalists maybe have a bit more patience than the average user when it comes to yeah. <laughs> yeah. troublesome software because yeah. we know like I mean, maybe what's causing it or how to get around exactly. it. Exactly. Or... And I'm used to slogging through some every now and then reviewing a £100 phone and they are all very, very slow and it's really the price you pay for not paying a price. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, you learn to just be like, I, this will frustrate me, but it is what it is and you get through it. But it's very telling that that's how it felt using this. And at 400 you know, yeah. it just, it, that shouldn't be, shouldn't be where you are. So, so it's great unless you use it. Yes, <laughs> I think the I haven't okay, cool. published my review yet, but my I think basically I came down to uh, this is the best mid range phone around for people with a lot of patience. Um, <laughs> nice, uh, very good. Uh, if that does not describe you, then I would probably look elsewhere. Run away. Um, but yes, it is ours. We have bought it, so I'm hoping we can hang on to it for a while, um, rather than be trade it in to buy a new one. But. Um, <laughs> I will try and keep an eye on it to see if it gets updates that feel like they improve things dramatically. Uh, yeah. Keep an eye out for a news piece, I guess. Yeah. Okay, let's move on, I guess. Quit ragging on Samsung for a bit. Um, let's talk Google I.O., which is coming next Wednesday. Um, I genuinely, completely accidentally made myself a dinner reservation at a very oh, nice restaurant oh, called Lyle's next week. What a shame. So I'm having a fancy dinner while Google I.O. is going on. I'm also going and to a fancy yeah. event. <laughs> what a shame. Hey guys, come on, man. But Toddy I'm is going to be there. I'm, Laptop at the ready. I'll be in this position. <laughs> It'll just be darker outside. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I will not be watching the actual event, uh, which, you know, I don't mind that much. But... They, it could be an exciting one, to be fair. I actually think, compared to most Google I.O.s, this is one I'm quite looking forward to, because I think there's a lot we think Google might do. And we don't know for sure, but among the list of things we're kind of expecting to some degree, um, more from Android 13. Obviously, the public beta is out, but not that many public-facing feature changes in there. And I think I.O. might be when they reveal some of that public-facing stuff, the equivalent of the big Material U introduction, though I doubt it'll be anything quite so drastic. Um, I think we'll see that stuff announced to then roll into Beta 2 in a few weeks. So we'll get a better sense of Android 13. We may see, surely at this point must see, Wear OS 3, or whatever they're calling it now, um, their next gen software for smartwatches. Like we've got to get a proper look at that. With you that, hope. you don't. With that, we might get a look at the Pixel Watch. We might get a look at something from Fitbit. I don't think so, but there's certainly a chance of a Fitbit presence beyond just chatting about software integration. Uh, we obviously are hoping to see the Pixel 6a, that budgety mid-range offering from them. And finally, we think there's a chance of. Uh, pixel foldable again maybe not a full launch maybe a tease or a reference or something like that but we know we think we know they're working on something and that's not even touching on the possibility that they throw out a new nest device or or any of that kind of their smart home tech yeah well we're expecting most of the announcements to like feature at the the main keynote the opening keynote just looking at the schedule uh there's like third presentation that the second one after the, the opening keynote is what's new in android and i think we're going to get a lot more detail mm. there obviously on what android 13 will be bringing to the table maybe even some android 12l stuff um the the way the leaks have been going hardware leaks i'm hopeful for the pixel watch i'm skeptical for the fold maybe a tease yeah like you said but i don't think anything I, more than that just based on what kind of leaks we're getting right now i agree i think from what we've heard it sounds like at one point the Fold was aiming for I.O. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> and I think at one point Google envisioned a timeline where the Fold was at this I.O. together with the final version of 12L or something like that. And there was some synchronicity to those timelines. I think it now looks pretty clear the Fold is not coming now. 
it's probably coming in the autumn, probably with the Pixel 7s. Um, but still, there is the chance they acknowledge its existence next week or tease it in some way. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic about even that. I don't think we're going to get even a mention of the Fold, but we'll see. The the image I saw the most recent leak was just like like an outline of the device with like the Google logo in it, Google logo in the middle, the G. Yes, that's all I saw. I feel like that is the image that we'll see uh. on stage, and that will be it. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's was. I will actually talk about that again when we get to the foldable a bit later because there's a similar Xiaomi thing, but it's yeah, the bit that's been dug up from code <laughs> basically for showing <laughs> showing how some of the how it will be rendered in software basically. Um, but yeah, I think Pixel Watch looks. Mm pretty certain at this point if anything i'm so i think for a long time based on the leaks what we were expecting was a tease of the pixel watch yeah. but a full launch later in the year mm-hmm. now that we're seeing pixel like so actual much. watches being left around restaurants <laughs> for redditors to find <laughs> i'm Whoops. beginning to wonder if actually they're ready to just show the whole shebang off with the watch because I so much the timeline for the iphone and i was that, trying to think about that with the iphone yeah <laughs> yeah I think it was only a couple um, of months before it was announced that, that it was mm, a bit that appeared in in the shop. So in the shop, kind of lines yeah. up. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, it looks like a fairly finished bit of kit in the photos. It's not exactly like you know some of the early kind of um, development mm-hmm. kits that we see at some of these events, and they're like you know nothing's final here. It did look pretty swish. So you'd have to imagine that if not now, sometime over the summer. Because of the nature of IO, I could imagine them showing off hardware on stage but not revealing specs and just using it as the vessel to showcase what's new in Wear OS 3. Yeah. That just because of the nature of IO, IO that is a, a way I feel like they could thread it, which would justify the leaks but still not reveal the full details of the watch. Much like people... Th- they just confirm it's real. Yeah, much like there's the people thinking, well, Apple will do that for WWDC and it's AR. They'll somehow, you know, exactly. talk about AR... With a headset there, and kind of like, yeah, wink, wink. We made a headset, but we're not going to say any more about that. Um, yeah. I, I agree. I think there might be something like that. A kind of this is the platform because they're not going to show off Wear OS on a Samsung watch, right? No. Um, I, I despite how close that partnership is, I still can't imagine it's a Galaxy watch that becomes the demo for their new software. They're going to show it on Pixel hardware, so I think they kind of and they could just do renders on screen and videos where we never see an actual device, and they just show you know, screen. But I think they'll want to show a watch running this and that will be a Pixel watch. But maybe it is just we glimpse it on like Sundar's wrist and, you know, that's kind of it. And they just yeah. like video there. somewhere. There's like a frame. And yeah, people will in be like background. freeze framing and zooming in and, you yeah. know, Blade Runner style computer enhanced, enhanced. Um, all of that. <laughs> but I think that might be all we get, right? The only other, this is probably just down to like interest in the kind of content we've been writing um and the fact that the company has been so quiet except for product recall stuff in terms of the fitbit partnership or fitbit i guess involvement they could use the pixel watch as the way to showcase the fitbit experience on wear os yes yeah so we might see fitbit in that capacity rather than a premium smartwatch, which was the quote from last year's io mm. this might be that watch even if it's not a fitbit branded watch it's, yeah. I still have so many questions Just, about how they're going to handle the Fitbit side because I'm still really curious. I cannot imagine not seeing Fitbit branded hardware anymore. I equally struggle to imagine mm-hmm. if they're really going to put the same software on both Fitbits and Google branded ones. Um, I think maybe the likeliest thing is we just see Fitbit, the same software, but with like a Fitbit skin. On, on Fitbit ones, you know, it, it's the same code, like Oxygen OS and Color OS with BBK, you yeah. know, it's the exact yeah. same software running on a Fitbit or a Pixel Watch, but one of them looks googly and the other one looks Fitbitty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Basically. Subtly. Yeah. But with that, I, I don't think we're going to see a big Fitbit presence next week because I think they will see it as a powerful separate brand. And I think. I think in a way, the way they're going to want to push it in terms of the way regular consumers see this stuff is less Fitbit is owned by Google and more Google watches come with Fitbit features and Fitbit watches come with Google features. So they don't want to have a Fitbit watch at a Google event. They just want to be like at the Google event 
here are all these great Fitbit features in our Google Watch. And at the Fitbit launch event, they get to say, and it has full compatibility with Google Assistant and all this stuff, you know. All the watch faces from the Play Store. I still find it kind of odd that Fitbit did have such a prominent um, presence at last year's I.O. Because it just didn't feel like it fit I.O. as a format. And Wear OS as a platform in terms of like how they were trying to tie it in. Mm. It just seemed odd. Um, I mean, they'll have to talk about it from the software side because that's what I.O. is. And, you know, we're sure there's going to be some sort of Fitbit software integration. So just from the perspective of it's Google talking to devs, they've got to talk to devs about how Fitbit is integrated into into this platform and how that will work and how it will all tie together. But, yeah, from a hardware perspective, I'm I'm not really expecting to see Fitbit as Fitbit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there so is I... one other leak, actually, we should we should mention, sorry, um, which I forgot about because it was only a couple of days ago. But John Presser reports the Google Pixel Buds Pro yes. are oh, yeah. coming soon. And soon probably means I.O. That seems plausible. He's not saying that. To be clear, that's not Presser's prediction. Um, but It's a Don Preston original. Yeah. Uh, it at least feels possible <laughs> that the fact that it's coming a week before the event... Um, very plausible. Pixelbuds Pro are also going to make an appearance. That wouldn't be unheard of for Google. Uh, we don't really know anything about them. He lists colors, uh, which are real red, carbon, limoncello, and fog. Ooh, wow. Uh, which is very, very Google. As ever, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that would be interesting just because pro level headphones from Google, they've had a mixed time with earbuds I think yeah it's fair to i didn't say. like the second gen pixel buds i just i wasn't a fan overall i think they were too smart they were trying to do too much and it wasn't a very good user interface and kind of the way it all worked mm-hmm. with the translation stuff was confusing and the right. touch uh sensitive part on the bud was great but the whole thing was touch sensitive so when you try to adjust the buds in your ear it would Pause That's the only thing I don't like about the Samsung ones. It's the same with them. It's so it's, annoying. It doesn't annoy me. <laughs> yeah, it's not a unique it's hard to get problem. Touch though. surfaces. Yeah. Even on the I I I didn't use the neuro buds, but the neuro loop. Oh yeah. The one the neck buds. Yeah. Even those touch surfaces, which are way bigger mm-hmm. than most of these other than still have issues. So that's why, yeah. Just, that's um, why I like the new NeuroBuds, because it's only the logo part in the middle that's touch sensitive, and the uh, plastic housing around it isn't. So they've got it right. Take yeah. notes, Google. <laughs> Get it right Fix with the these pros. Like Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a quick question the... about Android 12L, because I haven't really been following the tablet version of Android. Yeah. Is it available now? Can, you, can people have it? Is it like... It is. You can't buy a tablet with it. <laughs> yeah. And yet you also can't update a tablet to have it. Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure you can get a dev build of it or something. It but there is no... I don't even think there's a public beta of it, though I might be wrong. I don't think so either. Um, so, it I is mean, finished. It got its yeah. final release. So it is so finished software that several manufacturers have said they will support, but that none currently support. And because Google doesn't have its own foldable or tablet that's current, really, there's no Google hardware that runs it. Is this where they announced that the Pixel C is getting an update to Android 12? (laughs) (laughs) That was a bad tablet, Google. Mm -hmm. That was a really bad tablet. It seems a bit confusing because I feel like they've taken so long to release, to design and release a tablet version that it's going to just basically, is it going to be a year behind the mobile version so android 13 will be this year and then tablets will get 12l oh, this year no. well, yeah year. how they handled that is another question right i hope by 13 they'll be folded in fundamentally yeah. and this is yeah. a half step it's to produce right? this stuff and then we never get a 13l it's just from 13 on this stuff is yeah. baked into 13 for big screen devices uh, them saying 12L is ready is just by them saying the features for big screens like, and tablets are it ready works. to be folded. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Trust us, it actually works this time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, tablet Android. people are saying you know, Samsung and a lot of the other tablet and foldable manufacturers have said, yeah, we're going to put this on, you know, we are going to update products to it. It just hasn't happened yet. But that's kind mm. of that. There's always that delay with OEMs rolling out those updates. Yeah, and I sure. think especially here when there's less appetite from users. You know, you, they're probably not getting the constant when you're updating to Android 12 kind of thing that, yeah. you know, 
So there's a bit less pressure from their users to do it. It's also probably a complication for a lot of these OEMs because fundamentally what Google is doing, I don't. I think when the first people get 12L, they'll probably find it's not very exciting because a lot of what it does is stuff that the OEMs have already jerry-rigged themselves into yeah, their skin. Yeah, figure out. <laughs> and so it's really just Google saying, fine, here's the official Android version of a split-screen control center and notification tray um, or, you know, new sets of tablet-focused multitasking controls and stuff like that. And, you know, Samsung has that. Xiaomi has that. They've all designed it themselves, but they've all got their own different versions. And this yeah. is just going to unify it a bit and give a base so that now when, say, Motorola, I think, haven't done a tablet in years, if they say, oh, we actually want to do one now or we want to do a big foldable, they won't have to start from scratch. They'll get to start from whatever's in there. But it does mean for me, I look and I think, well, what's the rush for Samsung to integrate it? Because there's nothing it really does they don't already do. No, yeah. And they've obviously got to sit there and figure out, well, which version of each of the, do we use the Google implementation or our implementation of each of these features? Or how do we combine that code or, you know, all that kind of logistical headache of yeah. incorporating it into one UI or, or me UI or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad like Samsung onboarded like nearby share as a feature from stock Android. Mm. But beyond that, I think one UI is fine. Like I don't think like stock Android does anything better. So and One UI is pretty I nice on the tablet, that, generally, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine Android L is going to be so much superior, like, so superior yeah. to their existing tablet experience that it'll be the obvious switch. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, yeah, I think as much as anything else, it's about easing the onboarding for new OEMs who want to build yeah. primarily foldables, but also tablets, so that it's just less work for them to update their, their Android skin to be ready for it, really. Um it would be nice if it was a more radical approach to how Android handles big screens. Yeah, I that was kind of what I was hoping that would for. be welcome. Yeah. The challenge, as always, is that actually half of that is just app compatibility, and it's on app devs as much as it is on Google. And as we've seen this on the same side in iOS, but like Instagram or whatever, where they just kind of shrug and go, we can't be asked to build a tablet version, <laughs> yeah. so we won't. And it doesn't really matter what Apple Instagram or Google on the do. IPad. They just say, no, we're not. Like, <laughs> we're yeah. not first. So, like, cool. so strange. Yeah. All right. Um, wow. So, yeah, 12L is a bit of a weird one. It is. But, yeah. Uh, but I don't think, and, you know, ready to have egg on my face, but I don't think it is going to be like iPad OS, where we see it run as a separate fork. Yeah kind of with separate updates yeah. and, you know, different version announcements and that kind of thing. I think it's just going to get folded in. I mean, I make things easier for sure. Yeah. Who knows? We'll soon find out, won't we? <laughs> yeah. Google are weird. There's all sorts of weird well, stuff. Well, you guys won't be. You guys will be out and about. Yeah. I'll be the one finding out first. Yeah, you'll find out and we'll text you. And I'll, I'll find ask. Out. I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you, yeah, text of encouragement and selfies of me at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> thanks yeah having one in my honor appreciate <laughs> so yeah it's going to be an interesting io i think several bits of hardware you might see we've barely even touched on the pixel 6a though i know we've spoken about it before that's the only thing hardware wise that i think is like 90 percent certain you know i really think we are seeing the 6a it is going to get something close to a full announcement yeah you know again who knows maybe i'm be wrong but i feel confident about the 6a in a way i'm not about the watch and other stuff we saw is process i think process said like late june for an actual market release for the 6a is that still the figure that we're kind of I working towards it yeah i think something like that I so like 28 doesn't i think an announcement now actually i think it was oh one of them was late may but that's why i, I was, was trying late to may. yeah so i think okay. we're getting an announcement and then an on sale at the end of may but i again this is all piecing together different different predictions from different people but um but i'd be very surprised if we don't see the 6a next week in a way that say the watch if they didn't have the watch on stage would go oh shrug fair enough the watch didn't happen hmm. yeah. um uh cool so yeah google io next week i am sure we'll be talking about it on the show next thursday um no doubt that along alongside the sony and, and maybe the zte but we'll see there's so much other stuff going on next week but we'll yes. definitely be chatting IO next Thursday. So make sure to come back to hear what Tolly thought from watching. 
and you know he can tell us everything <laughs> let's talk foldables because we kind of touched on the pixel fold and didn't dwell on it because it's probably not coming next week though now we're gonna look like real idiots when it does um <laughs> oh, there are a lot of foldables coming this year we already had a fair few but there are a lot more on the way and we've had a few interesting bits of speculation pop out about a few of them that I just thought we're kind of worth touching on, you know, as a whole and, and discussing, um, especially given that we've also just had that announcement of the Huawei Mate XS2, which was interesting in its own right, as we said at the time, for A, being pretty affordable for what it is, yeah, and B, preserving that exterior folding form factor that we really thought Huawei had given up on. Um, but we have a lot more on the way. So we've got, obviously, the two new Samsungs. We expect two new Samsung foldables, a flip and a fold. Um, we expect, at some point, a second-gen Xiaomi foldable. We expect the Google Pixel fold at some point. We expect a new Motorola Razr this year, potentially. Oh, yes. And <laughs> we also expect, this is actually the one I'm secretly the most excited about, an Oppo clamshell foldable Ooh. which uh has had fresh rumors this week about what that might be uh in the wake of the find n being really really good i'm quite excited about them doing a clamshell not least because the main thing that has leaked about this uh this phone so far whatever it will end up being called is that Oppo is apparently aiming for a price in the region of 5,000 Chinese won, which basically wow. converts to $750. Yeah. So that's substantially cheaper than even the Z Flip 3. And if they can hit that, if that's real, and if that's actually where they can land this, sub properly sub 1,000. Um, even, you know, convert that, maybe it'll be a 899 really, yeah. in terms of its global price. Um, that's still, you know, cutting below Samsung a little bit further. For the quality of hardware, I imagine we could expect, again, based on the Find N, which was really exceptional hardware, you know, if they can deliver anything like that at that kind of price. And let's remember, the Find N is also cheap for what it is. So it it's is not like thing. that's a high, really crazy premium device. You know, we can presumably expect broadly the same build quality in this as we got in that because it's doing the same kind of price in terms of its relative undercutting of the market, I guess. I think after it'd be interesting to know what, sorry, I was just going to say the, the panel they're using, whether it's Samsung's panel from the flip range, whether they're paying. <laughs> yeah. Because right. the, the development's already done because yeah. that's going to drive down cost, right? So that's interesting. That was all. I was going to say, um, I think for me personally, after using the Find N, Oppo is the company that I'm most excited about for foldables, like mm -hmm. in terms of just sheer build quality and value for money. And I really hope that they rebrand it as a OnePlus foldable, which is the rumor. Well, a rumor. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, I just, I need that in my life. It's gone back now and I'm already missing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, perhaps more than any other company, they seem to be the most transparent about the stuff they're working on that might not always like, you know, with their innovation days, yes. things of the inner yeah, day that announce, they do each yeah. year. And the, was it the Oppo, was it the X2021 or something? The expanding rollerball? Yes. Was like, Pretty complete looking hardware that even did a bit of a tour, I think, amongst mm. press over the world. They seem to be really transparent about the kind of stuff that they're working on. Um, and it all usually looks really tidy yeah. and well put together. And the find in is like the first kind of tangible product based on that sort of. Yeah, from them teasing. really going into that space. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful too. I don't know if, if i still feel like samsung was the trendsetter of trying to like really drive the tech oh, yeah. not only into the market but then into the affordable yeah. for that kind of product space um but yeah maybe oppo is the first i think foil foil to them in that in that regard and i think that we haven't really seen from motorola or, or Huawei. what's impressive about the way oppo handled it is that i think xiaomi also tried to go cheap and they definitely tried yeah. to undercut samsung on that book style foldable for sure but theirs is a bit janky and it's, a bit clunky, it's clunky it's bulky you can tell they went cheap you know you're like okay yeah this is the budget version mm -hmm. of a foldable yeah. cool yeah um still a nice piece of hardware don't get me wrong but you know you could compare it to the samsung and the samsung clearly looks like a nicer piece of kit the find n is funny because they undercut samsung but you still put them side by side and you'd probably still go 
Oh, the Zoppo one's nicer, yeah. even though it's cheaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I imagine that means they're making small quantities and losing money hand over fist on everyone they sell. <laughs> and they've basically accepted, we will burn money on these for a bit to get a reputation for being really good at foldables. And that is why the Reno 7 is now the, the 8. Yeah. Like that's how they're doing it. They're subsidizing <laughs> yeah. it with the same phone from three generations Well, well also, a point made um, by GSM Arena and their write-up of this rumor, so credit to them for, for thinking about it, but it's such a contrast to Oppo's approach to, say, its mainstream flagships where the Find X5 series are expensive. Yeah, crazy. And they are very good, but they go more expensive than most of the rivals, certainly in their Western pricing and try and look expensive and premium, you know, and they don't, you know, you feel like that's a conscious strategy where they don't want to look like the quote unquote cheap Chinese brand. Yeah. They want to sell. No, Oppo is premium. Oppo is high end. Oppo is flagship. So it's really interesting that at least so far on the foldables, they're taking a, the complete opposite tack. Mm. I think, yeah, the, there's too many high end foldables at this point. I think, you know, Huawei's got one. Samsung's are still fairly expensive. It's and every you know, it's it's not hard to see that if a foldable is cheaper, more people will want to buy it. So you know that's uh, for an emerging tech. I feel like that's yeah. kind of where they're aiming for. And I know, think it's, can... it's particularly with foldables because the durability thing, right? Yeah. You always oh, yeah. hear that when people think about, do I really want to spend two grand on a phone that might break in three months? <laughs> I get a little bit of dust under the first... screen or whatever, then it's yeah. game over. Yeah. Sand in the hinge, yeah. That was my first thought, though, when you're saying like they're going to go competitive on the pricing. What suffers? Does durability suffer? Sure. Does camera suffer? Does materials like fit and finish? Like what? What? And suffers? this is what's fascinating because on the fine but end, nothing. Not obviously anything. <laughs> it's right? really yeah. it doesn't it's feel so like they did compromise anything, mm. which is why I think it's probably Oppo's bottom line that suffers, and it's fundamentally a marketing exercise right. where they're selling these at a loss but because they think it gets them a rep and gets the market share for foldables that they can build on closer in strategy to i know motorola didn't price the razor cheaply mm. but they don't have a phone that bridges the gap from their like high-end mid-ranges their flagships yeah. which are not really like on par with the market flagships that phone was really just there to show that they could do the technology yeah. And what we've heard, we haven't heard a lot in a like while that. about the new Razer, but what we have heard is that it, they're maybe going to go a bit more high-end this time on yeah. the chipset and things yeah. like that and pitch it they gotta keep the a price. bit more flagshipy. <laughs> ho mean. Hopefully they the can now nuts. keep the price because obviously Samsung still puts in a flagship yeah. chip without being, you know, and stays just below $1,000. Uh, yeah. You know, so if they can try and strike that same balance Samsung does and that it sounds like Oppo wants to. Uh, that could obviously be really, really impressive. And I do think there'd be a market for that with a Razer. I think they have to tweak the design a bit because I think there's a limit to how far the nostalgia will carry them. And they need Absolutely. to find a better balance between the nostalgic Razer design and genuinely looking futuristic and modern and current. And I th to me, I think they went a little bit too retro on the first gen. And I say that song yeah. with a lot of love for that original phone. I never, <laughs> I never owned one, but, but the, God, I always wanted one. You know. Yeah, love but the the, they played that card now as well. Exactly, like, they can't do that every time. Yeah. So yeah, they need to find a space to make it look like it's something as modern as what Samsung has out there. Um, yeah. Might as well talk about the Samsung while while we're on on the clamshell space because the last of the three. Um, so a couple little rumors recently about the what we're expecting from the Flip 4, as we it will probably be called, but you never know. As I said, 4s are a bit funny. Um, the disappointing one is battery life, because I think this was one of the biggest complaints about the first Flip 3, not the first Flip 3, about the Flip 3, um, is battery life is it's a just about all day phone and really not much further. Uh, Flip 3 had a 3300 milliamp hour combined battery capacity. What we've heard so far is it's going to get an upgrade to 3,400, which will maybe give you an extra half hour of juice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they haven't managed to squeeze more in. I think there's always that challenge there. It's a size constraint, right? The the phone is small and they have to have split is, the yeah. battery into two halves. And, and I don't know what the answer is there because I do sort of get that it would kill a lot of the flips appeal if it was thick and chunky. Oh, yeah. To fit a five thousand milliamp hour capacity in, 
I think, you know, like it, when you fall off a horse, you're supposed to get back on a ride so you don't like hold on to the fear. I feel like maybe the flip four is the phone where they push the fast charging boat out Ooh. and actually up the speeds. That would be welcome. Like, because that would, at the very least, that would mean that you don't have to add a lot of bulk, yeah. but you can still have a usable phone for the day. Like, I prefer a bigger battery, but I understand in this context that doesn't yeah. work. So. Even if they could just jump that it to the, the 45 they put on the Even. Ultras or something, you know. Yeah. Um, that would make a big difference. So, yeah, that's one room, but slightly bigger battery. Um, bigger cover screen on the outside. Not by a lot. It's uh, in the Flip 3, it's either a 1.8 or a 1.9 inch display. What we've heard, it's it's now going to be a 2 point something display. Um, so that still leaves a lot of range for how much growth. It, I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be 2 inches or 2.1, yeah. but yeah. we'll see. With, with the functionality of the Flip 3's external screen, do you think it'll be a longer screen or they'll just make it like just scale up the aspect ratio they currently have? Um, I don't know that it could go much longer because it's getting right up towards the cameras. Mm. Maybe they can get a oh, little sure. bit out in length unless they really change where the cameras are placed. So I think it might be that the, assuming they go for roughly the same design, because we haven't really seen much about that, maybe that black bar that they're in just is a bit taller and thus the screen is, right. also has a bit more space. I hope they don't go yeah. too much bigger. I This was, you know, I always liked the small display on the first Z Flip. I was cautious when they increased it to <laughs> Flip 3, and I was like, okay, this works. But I do, I really am hesitant that there would be a drive for bigger screen is better on that outer display, because yeah. I don't think that's true for those clamshells. I, I don't think we want that whole external bit to be a screen. So... Especially with the battery. I'm a little, especially with the battery. So I'm a little <laughs> nervy about that getting bigger every generation, but we'll see. Um, and the last thing to talk about there is uh, Ross Young, who's actually the source of a few of these leaks because he's a display industry expert, if you don't know about that, and he's an insider in the display stuff. So particularly on foldables, he's a great line of info. Um, but he, I've lost the tab that has it now. Um, yeah, he tweeted out the colors of the Flip 4 and the Fold 4 based on what he's heard. The Fold 4 is going to be boring. It will come it in beige, black, and grey. Wow. That's what premium Weird. buyers Which, want. <laughs> considering last year there was like nice like a green finish um on the yeah. fold. And the fold the fold two, you could even customize the spine yeah. colour. So oh, yeah. that was really I forgot cool. about that, yeah. Mm. Sounds like they not so much with the fold four. Beige, black, and grey. Very business like. Uh, but the flip four is apparently getting light violet, which I assume is basically the same as the lavender color the flip three is in. Mm. Uh, light violet, light blue, gray, and gold. Ooh. And I'm because the beige was like the signature color for the flip three, right? Yes, the the, kind of... the cream, which I still cream. have there. Ah, this one. Yes, that is the cream. So that's gone from the sounds of it. Um, that cream, but a purple, Are we talking... a blue, a gray, and gold. I presume we're not talking like P50 pocket gold. Who knows? Like not like I'm, I'm talking about Ling, yeah. It might be because <laughs> he, so in his tweet, Ross like lists the colors and then just very matter-of-factly then follows it up with gold Z Flip 4 should be interesting, which to me suggests he thinks it might be a, a gold gold, not an understated gold. Okay. Shiny boy. But who knows? Who knows um, how much he, right. he knows or what whether he's seen it or anything like that. So I don't Stick know. Stick in your display lane, um, God. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't personally want a blingy gold Z Flip, but I'd kind of be here for them doing a proper, like, you know, C3PO color. Oh, yeah. Like blingy gold okay. phone. I, it's not for me, but like, sure. Some markets will like, lap that up. People though. will love that. Yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of the, the Escobar. <laughs> equally brilliant <laughs> equally fantastic yeah. a lot of people Definitely were talking not. about that Escobar phone man <laughs> true, true that plastic uh, wrap was great honestly <laughs> it was a steal yeah absolute steal of a phone uh, let's quickly talk about some of the book stuff just uh, there's not as much to talk about there because a lot of the book stuff we've, we've kind of heard already you know we've seen the new Huawei we've seen the Vivo Fold has just launched um, the Oppo Find N was relatively recent so we're not expecting a follow up to that too soon uh, the only bit of news on the Oppo Find N follow-up is that it might have an 8 Gen 1 Plus, which just kind of makes sense, so fine. Um, exciting enough. Uh, the Xiaomi Mix Fold 2, or whatever it ends up being called, uh, as I kind of hinted at earlier, that's had a little weird appearance in code in the same way that the Pixel Fold 
once did, which is that someone has dug through UI build in, in China and found basically these um, silhouettes of a, of a book style foldable that are clearly designed to be used in some sort of software within the software in some, some capacity. Um, but what people can see is the design is a little bit different to the first mix fold. Uh, it's got a square camera module rather than a rectangular one. The front selfie camera is central punch hole rather than corner punch hole. So not nothing that tells us a lot about what the phone is going to be, but it tells us mm. they are working on another one. Surprise, surprise. And they are tweaking the design, which is a good thing because if, that, if they're beginning to tweak it, that means they're not just going to throw out that same hardware with an upgraded chipset or something. Yeah. Which I think has got to be the big hope for them because that's where that first mix fold feels a bit clunky. It's just... It's got the big bezel on the front screen. Yeah, it doesn't huge. feel as premium as most of the competition does now. It feels a bit like Xiaomi announced a bit earlier than they should have, and they didn't have something to really wow anyone at the time when they went with it. I think they were keen to just be in this space. Yes. I think so. But I did like the build. Like It felt really sturdy, that did, phone. Did and feel, the yeah. find end is even more so. I should say, my experience with the mixed fold was 30 seconds on Xiaomi's stand at MWC. So <laughs> I've not spent a lot of time. <laughs> but, you know... It, just looking at it, you can see it doesn't look as slick as as Oppo's or Samsung's. Um, and then the only other thing we had recently was on the Pixel Fold, which is that it's going to have a smaller cover display than the Z Fold 4 at 5.8 inches, but that it's going to be wider. So if you're not a fan of the tall, thin cover display that Samsung does, which I think not everyone is. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, it sounds like Google at least are moving away from that. Again, this comes from Ross Young. But yeah, they're going for something, a slightly smaller screen, but a wider one, a more traditional smartphone aspect ratio. Hopefully a bit more edge to edge, but who knows. Um, but that's an encouraging sign for the Pixel Fold, I think. Mm, for sure, for sure. Cool. Um, so that was a quick rundown of all of the foldables that we are aware of that are on the way. And I mean, I'm sure there's some more sneaking along that we uh, haven't yet heard too looking. much about. They'd probably say, uh, if else? you're looking forward to an iPhone foldable, you'll be waiting about another three years. <laughs> so uh, At least, yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> you know who I'm surprised hasn't put a foldable out in the market? ZTE. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for all of the, the under-display camera stuff, I'm surprised they haven't thrown out a wacky foldable yet. And it's a matter of time. I was about to say, yeah. Well, <sighs> now that Oppo's got one, you know, that's going to start filtering through. It's a, matter, it's a question of how long Ooh, they want to keep that part of the premium Oppo brand and before they start letting the less premium OnePlus and Realme brands get that. Realme I foldable, guess, right? Confirmed. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> yeah. 299 pounds is going to be great. <laughs> Dreamy. Uh, no, I mean Samsung should just sell like you know some some old Z flips at a discount. People would buy that. Be great. I'd take that. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. We that will do us for this week. I think we've managed to you know fill more than an hour out of virtually thin air in terms of actual news this week. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week where I promise there's going to be a lot more to talk about, more than we would like. Uh, as I said earlier, pretty much guaranteed to be chatting about Google I/O and you know whatever actually gets announced there but we will be here to break down what did happen at io and assess how wrong we just got it <laughs> um sony's new flagship phone we think on wednesday so we'll have that to talk about and then the zte axon 40 series as well and whatever else the industry decides to throw at us without warning just to make us jump uh we will be back Please come back next week and watch and listen. Like and subscribe, all of that jazz. Hit the notification bell on YouTube. You know the drill. And we will see you soon. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.